We are now live. We are now live. For the benefit of anyone following after, welcome to the knife making down under religiously punctual fortnightly. Yeah. <laughs> the fortnightly somewhat on our somewhat own sometimes. <laughs> well, we're back. Yeah. We're back. Well, we're, well two, two of us are here. back. One, one of us uh, yeah. one of us committed to be here tonight. Um but then um, 100%. 100% committed to be here tonight. But he's not here. Yeah. So you get that. Well, but we're here. Nerd, nerd will be on the way here. soon, allegedly. So there we go. Oh, here Let's we go. James. Okay, James, Stone. Brad. G'day, guys. Hello, fellas. How are we going? So cracking right along. It's been a very, <clears throat> very long time since our last podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, very long two weeks. Uh, Andrew Smith's in. Good on you, buddy. Um. I guess, uh, I guess, what have you managed to accomplish in the last two weeks since about uh, early July, Kev? <laughs> I was going to say late July when uh, when the last conversations were about the Sydney Knife Show. We'll talk about <laughs> that soon. But, uh, yeah, look, in the meantime, mate, I was just saying to you off air, like, time just seems to have gone. And the, uh, click of the fingers. Speaking of knife shows, we're not now not too far off from the next one on the calendar being Adelaide. And I've signed up for that. Uh, booked my accommodation tonight. Did not get into the Arca bar. <laughs> I'm just up the road again. What? Why not? They wanted 900 bucks for three nights. And I was like, fuck that. I'm up I'm at the motel, which I stayed at before, 420 for three nights. So I was like, I, could, I couldn't book in for 900 bucks. No way. Book not early, book was, often. Yeah, not unless there was like pole dancing in the room or something. no. no. <laughs> Yeah, no. no, so, um, yeah, time's just flown by, man. And I, I was having a conversation with our old mate, Anthony Kittle, who no doubt will be on listening soon. Um, and he said, is he all set for Adelaide? I was like, nah, haven't made a single knife for it. I've been doing a couple of orders and getting a few things off the plate. So I've, I've been busy, but, um, yeah, not busy prepping. So just making knives, um, had me mate down. Um, we're doing mucking around in the workshop, just trying out a few different things with knife making. So hush, hush at the moment, but you know, I've, I've been tinkering. I've been tinkering. That's all no, I'll good say. On I've been watching you yeah. uh, on the on the socials, getting getting a bit into it. So yeah, yeah I've been pretty quiet actually. Like I um, I posted up that photo of that sheath. You know, the funniest mm -hmm. thing with that is I made that was that was a a, a, a person of royalty, let's say that um, I'm making a knife for, met him at the Sydney Knife Show. He's a lord, um, and, he, and he's ordered a Skinner off me. And making that Skinner up, and I was like, mate, a lord needs a sheath with a little bit of extra to it. So I made it you up met, with that little... You met um, a lord yeah, at the Sydney Knife Show. I did, and he wants, <laughs> wanted good. a knife off me. So I'm That's making him good. one of my chubby mofo Skinners, so small, short blade, short handle. And uh, anyway, he's. Um, I, I thought a lord needs a, a sheath that's got something extra to it. I made up that sheath. I popped up on social media with the cobra inlay. I sent a photo. <coughs> I sent a photo to him saying, "How special is this?" And he's rung me up about literally five seconds later, going, um, "Didn't we agree that I was getting a Kydex sheath?" <laughs> oh. So. So he's getting Kydex. <laughs> he doesn't want it. 
Oh, no, because he's going to clip it to his um, bino right. um, thing. So I'm going to chuck an ulti-clip on to the end of it, uh, make a Kydex one, put an ulti-clip. But ironically, I've got an order for pretty much the same size knife uh, without this, without the clip on it. So I'm just going to use that for that. Now, we did have James Brook come in one foot square in Scotland. Um, you may very well be on the money there. <laughs> it's probably a lordship for shits and giggles, I, I do imagine. Um, and now we've got the man of the... Well, we had the man of the moment on there just a moment ago, Connie Hansen. Um, this is a special broadcast for Connie. He's over in Sweden. He's hey, working Connie. from home. He's working from home today. And he gets to listen to us live, which is a nice change. Or he may regret it. You never know. Um, and the glassworks going really good, mate. Um, I took a lot of glasswork up to the Sydney show, just some stuff that I'd made, some pendants and earrings and things, looking at the ladies that... Um, might be accompanying their spouses or loved ones to the show. And, um, yeah, sold really well and um, just started back with classes. That did my second class back. Um, really enjoying it. And the teacher teacher loves it because I've just got me creative head spinning with things to do. And I'm going to do a, a class. They've got a guest teacher coming in um, next week and we're going to work on um, small vessels. So they'll probably get a few people thinking. <laughs> sounds sounds unreal. Le legal small vessels, <laughs> sculptural glass instead of um, just on the on the beads and mandrels and stuff. The yeah, old no, glass scene, in, the old glass scene in Canberra is pretty huge. Yeah, man. Like um, we've got the glassworks out here. Um, a good friend of mine, Annette Blair, is um, ANU trained, and she just had an exhibition out at the out of the glass place here, and. Uh, yeah, she's just amazing. Um, I'll get some of her gear up later, but she does sculptural stuff and, and she makes stuff that you'd find in... She was really um, influenced by her grandfather in her early years and out in his shed tinkering and stuff. So she makes glass paint tins and paint brushes, jars full of um, glass nails and every everything <coughs> you see of hers is made of glass oil, oil cans and it is just absolutely insane, like... So I went and saw that exhibition and then I popped upstairs and they were doing the sciencey stuff with glass, which was kind of funny. There was a guy that was making a glass vessel and he was testing out to see if he could pop popcorn in it. Um, it didn't work and, and the he left the glass out of the heat too long and it shattered. But that was a good um, a good lesson in uh, what not to do, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. And, uh, I did... Um... I did a conference down in Canberra, a glass conference. So we had Sheila Collins. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she was one of the old, um, I, I better not say it. She was one of the wise, respected ladies of Paragod Industries uh, uh, doing kilns. And Sheila came out to Australia with me and we went down to Canberra and did a, a glass conference. And it was just, it was just fantastic. Yeah, no, it was really good. We did a whole bunch of workshops, watched the glass blowing down there, the big, mm. big scale glass blowing, uh, the oh, lamp yeah. workers and, um, pulling candy. Have you done that yet? Where they pull the pull canes? Yeah, I've, I've just actually. I was just learning on my last class. I was learning twisting and pulling canes, and yeah, that that's going to take a little bit of time to get used to. It's how they make the like head. glass, the glass eyes and irises and stuff, and pull it out. Yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty unreal. And um, like glass is like, um, I guess it's like molding with coloured clay, and the world is your oyster, and it's just phenomenal. I, I I'm constantly blown away by what uh, what people can create in glass 
So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like the guy, that my my teacher's really just amazing with her abilities. You sort of watch the lessons, what she's, you know, she's demoing something for you and, and you sit down and everything's just this, like, and you feel like a nutty. But she learned off another fellow that was from the um, science industry in glass making. So they were making the the glass vessels and, you know, the test tubes oh, within yeah. the... That's... And that's that's his background in borosilicate glass and stuff. His whole family ran a company for 100-odd years or whatever it was. But he now blows... Um, yeah, he's just into the blown borosilicate glass. Um, man, he... he that's that, someone... Is that that old geller? He's an old fella and he's out, like, collector or something like that. Yeah, he's... Um, uh, he's a great guy. Now, yeah, I, yeah, I went north, to northwest. Yeah, northwest of Canberra, which is where he is. Yeah, Peter Minson. Peter yeah. Minson is his Pe name. Minson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic artist. Unreal yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I drove out there just to catch up with him and say good day. It's a bind along is where he is. Very small town. They got a motel. Really huge yeah. motel. Kind of reminds you a little bit of um, uh, what's that Jack Nicholson movie? The the. Bates Motel, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, the yeah, one. No, kind of reminds you of a smaller version of the Bates Motel when you drive out there because Bite Along sort of in the middle of nowhere. Um, and yeah, I went and visited him and um, yeah, spent many hours actually talking to him. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and do some lessons in the borosilicate class with him at some stage. But yeah, yeah no, it's yeah. good fun. Then you can make great community, make... great community. Oh, absolutely, phenomenal. Um, yeah, Brad. Yeah, no, I, I, I've I, seen, I've seen that show. Um, Brad and it's um, pretty crazy what they get up to. Um, well, out of my league, I'm, I'm only into very basics, very small stuff at the moment. <laughs> Might stay that way yeah. too. Well, yeah, looks like anything. Um, I think you know the beautiful thing, as you know, about knife making. Well, the thing I love about knife making is you can incorporate any material. Just about any material can go mm. into knife making. And what I have. Um, in Japan, do you remember the guy that was doing glass blades? Oh, glass blades, yeah. Do you remember he that? Was freaking a, yeah, he was freaking amazing. And I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I reckon there's there's um, some pretty um, some pretty good opportunities to combine the you know the skills and the knowledge from the different things because you know as I said, knife making is not just about hitting a piece of steel and it's not just about fitting a handle. It's about the whole zamet everything from jewelry work you know oh yeah well that's it you look right at the stuff through. that's going on now i've got plans yeah. for it i've been talking to my teacher about um what's in my head what i want the vision in my head and now we just got to get me to the level where i can actually create that yeah like i'm i'm about 20 steps ahead of where i am at the moment in what i want to make and what i can make the abilities uh far far less than the uh imagination but what I've talked to her about is possible, and that's that's given me that glimmer of hope. So I'm like, I'm not I'm not pushing shit uphill trying to, um, you know, create something that's not possible. I've just got to develop myself a little bit further. So yeah, that's something pretty exciting to get into. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, uh, Kev, while we're on the subject of where you've been, what about where you're going? Are you doing Adelaide this year? Yes, mate. Yes, I am. Um, I was either talking to you off air and I was talking there. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm heading down to Adelaide, um, driving over. I'm going to take my truck for a bit of a run. Um, oh, we did say that, didn't we? we yeah, I can't staying, remember just, what we said. Staying, yeah, staying, I know. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, staying yeah. just up the road. Really looking forward to getting to this, see this new venue. Um, you know, it's going to be full. Like, it, it's sold out. I think we actually 
um, squeezed in probably, I think, from what I was talking to Andrew, might have been three or four extra people got squeezed into little corners in the place, um, you know, on the proviso that they know that they're getting squeezed into a corner because they've rolled in so late. Uh, but no, it should be unreal, mate. I'm really looking forward to it. Are you, are you going over or are you just sending the boys over? Oh, no, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah. yeah like, nice. uh, <laughs> I didn't get the room that Ivan destroyed last oh. time. <laughs> they got a black mark against you. G'day, Dino. <laughs> he's not there probably, but anyway. No, he's been yeah, quiet. Like, I was only thinking of him today for whatever reason. Must uh, have been some broken he, glass on the ground. <laughs> Uh, no, no, we, we didn't get that. We didn't get that room, unfortunately, but we've, um, we've managed to get a couple of rooms at the Ark and, uh, they worked out pretty reasonable. So yeah, yeah. we were, we, we, we booked early, but yeah, like, oh, mate, I've, I've left it right yeah. to the last minute. I was only just this literally this afternoon sitting there, um, after I was like I said, telling uh, uncle Anthony there, um, that I've not made a single knife since Sydney that's going <laughs> to the show. So, um, and then I was like, fuck, I haven't booked my room. And then when I went to book, it was like 600 and something bucks yesterday. And I hesitated and I went back on and had a look today and it was 900 bucks. Did and you I just ring like, the Arca bar? Nah, it's all good though. I, I ring I'm the Arca bar. I'm I'm literally literally whatever. Like, anyway, I yeah. literally, I booked earlier today and I got a fucking better <laughs> rate than that. I you booked, bastard. I booked four rooms for the guys. And yeah, I right. got I got a pretty good rate, but then yeah. I think well, I'm, I, paying I, I'm paying just over hundred bucks up at a motel just up the road. Oh, well, we I stayed there. Room. I stayed yeah. there at one of the other shows I went to. So, and literally like we're... fifty meters up the road or something, just past Macca's. Yeah, I won't. I won't say what we got because I don't know if anyone can get it. But we got a we got a pretty good rate. It was well under two hundred bucks a night, so I was happy yeah. enough. You know what I'm saying? Must be and some Anthony staff on there that trash remember. Corridge room. Anthony, it wouldn't <laughs> be the fine time the first time, as you well know, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> um, they might remember, might be some staff still working there from the last time you were there. Um, yeah. my number came up. She said, What's your phone number? Oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you got gold stars on there. <laughs> I don't think I got gold stars. I think I got a, a big red mark after, oh. after, <laughs> Fuck, it's you. after last time fiasco. Yeah. Four years the ago, guy spends years a lot, ago, but don't give him, he spends a lot, but don't give him the good room again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, there you go, Anthony, Anthony got 196. The room was free. The room was free until I gave her the number and then it was booked. Oh, sorry, no, it's booked for the weekend. And yeah, I was yeah, like, that's oh, it. Whatever, whatever. Fucking yeah, Tony's on whatever. there. He's, he got just under 200 bucks a night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. But like I said, I'm, I'm going to spend bloody, oh, I don't know, 500 bucks in diesel there and back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the rest. For us, for the truck, it'll be like mortgage a freaking house to get it down there. Yeah. But anyway. The guys um, in Adelaide are super supportive. Um, we get a lot of support down there with the truck, so it's um, it's worth doing. And and um, so you know, there's another. Cool. There's a. Oh, I'm just going to be rude. Not that that's any different from normal, but uh, I'm going to jump on my Instagram here for a second. Uh, well, I, can't, I can tell you. I can. There's a there's a wood store that I've, everyone probably already knows about it, but I'm stupid. I'm slow. There's a wood store timber supplies place in Adelaide. Uh, just west of the venue, I think it is. Anyway, the other side of town. Uh, so got some real nice looking timber. So I'm gonna. That's one of the reasons I'm driving over, so I can load up the back of the truck if I get over there, um, get some nice deals. If I see his name come up on here, I'll um, I'll give him a shout out. It's always good to point people in the right direction. I'd never. I hadn't seen him on here, and then no, nah, can't see him on there. But 
um, had some nice stuff come up, which was good. Oh, there you go, Mount, Mountain River Mountain Timber. Mountain River too. So That's the one. Was yeah. there, they? I knew it. I'm yeah. just slow. Uh, they've probably been in action for like 10 years, but I've just found them. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go and visit them probably on the Friday before I get settled in. Good shit. Yeah, yeah. so fuck after the last um, after the last podcast, I, uh, I've been up to a fair bit of stuff, Kev. Yeah, I know. We had the show, which was freaking awesome. I need to give a shout out um, because I am the, I'm the president of the Knife Art Association and you're one of our um, committee members. I need to give a shout out to everyone that was involved in getting the show up and running and everyone that volunteered either formally or informally over that weekend um, gave Andrew a hand and gave everyone else a good run because we cracked 5,000, over 5,000 people at that show to bring it up to the number one show in Australia by a long shot. Uh, it was to funny. Bring it up to. It's been the oh, number one show in Australia. Oh, every well, year. Hey, I'm trying to make us sound even better than we are. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the largest show in three years. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. No, I need to put a big shout out to everyone because we've, we've got a big crew of um, volunteers that do assist in these events. And, um, mm. you know, their time is um, worth a lot to us. Um, so I need to give them a good shout out. Um, Brad Stone was along and I think he got a bit of a, uh, a lesson in what it's like to be on the selling side of the table. My mate Brad Heathcote was up. We're going double Brad's here. Uh, Brad Heathcote was up and was just blown away and uh, to the point where he's actually going to try and make 10 knives between now and next year. Doesn't sound like much, but the dude works his ass off um, in his day job. Um, but Brad's going to try and get himself 10 knives together and have a table next year, which will be just absolutely unreal. Fucking good. So James Lang, yeah, mate. First, first knife show um, that a lot of people went to, both from the selling point of view and um, people going in to see it and be customers. And, mate, it was such a positive event. I think there was only a couple of a couple of reports of stuff going missing, really small in the big scheme of things. Um, it, you know, touch wood, it, it seemed to flow without a hitch. Like, the show just went so well. The crowds were amazing. Like, oh, I was fucking just... Well, Friday Friday night when we rocked up at the hotel, I couldn't get the stupid grin off my face because it was like having a, a three-year reunion. I walked up to the room with – I went up to the room with Brad and then said, oh, let's go grab me knives. And when we walked out of the hotel lifts, oh, there was yourself, Ian Stewart. Um, we had buddy um, Sean McIntyre, Coop and his family, fucking everyone, Tobal and all those guys. It was like just just – Took the breath out, actually, like I was I was speechless for a few seconds about that Mate, it, that sort of overwhelming feeling. Oh, it was and it was just good. It was just good. Oh, it was fucking I, good. It was unreal. Yeah. So we had um, there was just so much happened that weekend. Ian McNamara just did a surprise visit, courtesy of Ian Stewart's conversation to him on Australia All Over. Turned up with a with a recorder and recorded the. I don't know if people heard me on there. I was on there. I got interviewed and, and <laughs> I was a bit excited. Um, but anyway, we got some it was really a good. We got some really, I was going to say, like, we got some really good um, feedback from 2GB. <laughs> oh, yeah, 2GB. Did you hear about that? 2GB said that we should you, be banned. You told we should me. be having. Yeah, no, that was yeah. my old man told me because he well, was. Well, I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you that. Um, I had at least a couple of people come through, and I didn't realise at the time, but they came through and said, oh, I heard about this on 2GB, and 
a part of me was going, oh, I thought we were using Triple FM or whatever. Uh, we whatever were, Triple was. M, yeah. One of the other But radios, 2GB was yeah, saying they should M. ban the show, <laughs> and we just got so many people and say, people, 2GB, but People yeah. come out for curiosity. Yeah, they come out for curiosity and was like, this is unreal. Like, oh, man, <laughs> wouldn't have known about it if they didn't go off. <laughs> yeah, so it was um, so, it was pretty good, and we're pretty uh, pretty keen to make sure that they get a good press release next time. Knives coming back to Sydney. Yeah, I'm going to write a special yeah. one about it. Just Thanks, to, just to Yeah, put the fear of blades into them. <laughs> I'll, just I'll, give them a ring, I'll give them a ring leading up to it and pretend to complain Freaking, about it and get some more. Yeah, free yeah. We press. should get the community. We should get the community behind it. Just like this, get on to talk back. Oh, this knife show should be totally banned. Just talk about it for days, how terrible it yeah. is. And, oh, we're up in arms about it. There's so many beautiful knives until they figure yeah. out, like, it's just us self-promoting. It'll be unreal. <laughs> that's it. Getting free airtime. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so that's all. That was all pretty good. Um, obviously, Jim Cooper came out and um, uh, oh. Mr. Keith Flood, I took him for the first week before the show and yeah. um, I gave him a hand. But... Um, that that was great, uh, you know. Jim photo- photographing at the at the show. Of course, Michael Mason, Jim Cooper were both photographing at the show, and we're yeah. super um, pleased to see that happen because all it does is just build the profile of Australian knife makers because around the world now, and, and you know it, Kev. Everyone you talk to, they know they know Australian knife makers, and the reason they know them is yes. good images, well publicised, and um, Oh, the bigger it gets, the the bigger the offshore collector market gets for Australians. Not the poor second colour. It's the cousin. It's the I don't know the Sheffield, the Solingen, the Eskilstuna. It's the it's the knife making um, hub, and that's and and of course Australia's a pretty big knife making hub. But we have some pretty good knife makers, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Um. While we while we're on the subject of of Jim Cooper, he made his first. Now, Jim, yes. I I didn't know that. <laughs> Jim got into photographing knives from making kit knives, building kit knives. Yeah, right. Like, okay, I didn't know specifically that. Specifically, kit folders. He's got a whole – he showed me all his first photographs, which are all of his own knives. And that's when he came up yeah, with that wow. system of, of putting different things on. And that was unreal. Yeah. I also didn't know that Jim Cooper was a champion drag racer. So oh, that shit. was new to me. Yeah, on motorbikes, nonetheless. He oh, was, um, so he'd have something in common with – yeah. Uh, Bruce Barnett then. <laughs> yes, he does. And yes. um and so that was pretty cool, but he came down and he'd started a knife like me really 20 years ago and he was trying to get it finished and before the show Keith gave him a couple of days or a couple of hours or whatever to get some work done on it. And then he came down here and did some more work on it. You'll see some pictures on my Instagram. And then he went back up to Keith and yeah. did some more work. And then he got it finished. And when he got back, in amongst all the photos of Sydney's show, there's a picture of a of a knife that Jim Cooper made on yeah, Jim I Cooper's uh, Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> sharp by Coop. And um, so that was that was pretty nice because he was pretty excited by that. And I took the family. Of course, I had Neil Neil from Passmakes was was yeah. staying here for for a few weeks and. <laughs> Him, and, I, I might have, I might have scarred Neil. Oh, I <laughs> don't know. He's, 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 I know, but no, he's no, pretty dry. Yeah, we had some conversations. We were talking about, um, you know, I don't know, and I think it might have been end up about talking about um, why I wasn't drinking or something. And I was I primarily wasn't drinking because I've been taking some 
uh, reasonably heavy medication for back pain and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and one of the one of the side lines of that is I get these really really graphic, vivid, bizarre dreams, and I was telling Neil about one of my dreams, and I'm just telling it like it came through, and I've turned to look at him, and he's he just had this look on his face like, fuck, what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But so, I have to say it was a pretty it was a pretty bizarre dream. So I can't I can't say anything against him for feeling a bit weirded out by it. Uh, <laughs> but it was in my head. Neil's Neil's a, Neil's a cracker. I have a lot of fun with uh, him. And top we've, bloke. We've I only done... met him. I only really met him at that um, hammering up in Queensland earlier this year. That's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, I of course I spent seventeen days getting up and working yes. fourteen hour days. After we did the, the gates, which we did huge days there, getting those steel gates made, then we did the kayaks and then, um, yeah, the whistle. And then we've done now, we've done um, uh, folders, but I'll talk about that in a yes. second. Yeah. So he brought his kayak down and my kayak, because the two had never been on the water together. Now, I don't oh. know who on here has <clears throat> has seen Neil's kayak. Um, if you're listening to this later, uh, Pask makes... Um, and I think it's called Making the Most Amazing Kayak or something like that. Um, and it sounds like clickbait, right? Uh, but in the case of Neil, it is most definitely not click, clickbait. I mean, you've never seen a, uh, a more beautiful um, uh, more beautiful kayak. Uh, it, it's got a very highly patterned deck because Neil's oh. mostly known for his uh, what's called Kumiko, which is a type of like of construct of wood uh i don't know how you would it's carpentry shit which i don't do but yeah. anyway That's um it. and <clears throat> i'm just going to try and find a find something that we can just chuck up real quick on um on here well, while you're trying to find that you were yeah. you and your kayaks were actually the subject of a small conversation that i had um yeah. last weekend or the weekend before because i went out to the um canberra lifeline book book meet book sale yeah. It's one of the biggest fundraisers for them, I guess, in any state. And uh, I was prancing around looking for anything to do with metal make, metal working and stuff. And it was it was gone in a flash. Knife knife making gear was gone in a flash. But there was a book on kayaks these two blokes were having a look through. And I'm going, oh, yeah, a couple of my mates, buddy, built, built those. And they sort of popped their heads up. And I was like, yeah, yeah Pask makes on, on YouTube and Corin. Um I said, go and have a look at it. They did this Kumiko, or I said, passed to this Kumiko work. These guys just fucking thought I was bullshitting. I wonder if they uh, actually went back and had a look because that video that's going across now, he hadn't, um, when I saw him up at the, the workshop, um, he hadn't even started, like it was well, like well beyond finished. And he was actually just marking out how he was going to do all that Kumiko. And then every one of those little pieces you can see in that, pattern is shaved off a bigger piece it's paper thin and then stuck down and lacquered over it's just mind-boggling the time and when he talked about the complications he had doing that you got to respect the guy for going above and beyond don't you uh when you th <clears throat> having made my kayak and knowing firsthand what goes mm. into it um <laughs> you just he's just a freak I tell you, and yours, and I've seen yours up close, and I know you made it, and with Paskin, you you know all the the things that as, as you do when you make them, you know all the things, little things that went wrong, but 
from yeah, like a bloke like me with no idea about that sort of stuff, looking at yours, what I did at your place, mate, it was absolutely for the time that it took to do, it was absolutely no. spectacular. Um, and yeah, we're just doing a bit of I got the paddling video uh, <laughs> up on the screen. <laughs> I gotta tell you about paddling. that day because because <laughs> that day was that day was freaking hilarious, but um, me and yeah, so. My one, yeah, 17 days it took to build um, with two days extra, you could say, on top with Neil cutting the timber because I didn't yeah. – he did that before I got up there. I was there for 17 days, and Neil helped me for probably probably 10 of those. Um, we gave up on his after the first seven days because we just realised we were going to end up with no kayaks finished. And, you know, Neil's, yeah. uh, Neil's core priority is actually making videos. That's his income. So it was like – don't want two half finished kayaks. So we'll focus on one, get the video mate. And then I can work on mine as a series of videos later. And so he, um, that's what he said. So then he did that and obviously worked on his kayak. And in the meantime, did one of his seat, a video of his seat and a video of the, of the paddle and a few other things to sort of keep him, keep him going with the videos. But I tell you what, man, they are so nice to paddle. Um, if you've ever done any kayaking, uh, these little playboats, like this little um, sort of Greenland-style uh, playboat with a very low back deck, very nice to roll, very, which I'd love to get a spray skirt so I can roll it. But yeah, right. um, I, I haven't got around to it yet. Um, I've only just um, – I only Velcroed the seat in the day before we went paddling. And I bought a seat. I didn't even make one. <laughs> um, I haven't had – I just haven't had time. The, no. So anyway, we go out for the day and, and the guys um, – Jim Cooper wanted to go out with his family and, and – and paddle. So here we are in this in this footage. We're paddling on the Nepean River, which has had this massive flood go through. And you'll see in some of these aerial shots the um, that the banks are all scoured way up high, way up the banks is all scoured of all debris and everything. And the reason is, of course, the floods. So the water's a lot of water flow, and we're paddled up, and you can see it right up that bank there. Um, young young Jim Cooper's son Trevor. Is paddling my feather craft, which is a skin on um, skin on frame kayak. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> anyway, so I paddled mine up through a set of rapids. My 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 <laughs> <laughs> my cedar my cedar strip kayak, and and then he he thought, oh yeah, I'll do that, and followed me. Oh, I probably should have pointed out it's not as easy as it looks. And um, it, it, he was in the water then, and then it was like a full water rescue, and we had to drag him out empty the boat and, and and anyway he gets back in it um he gets back in the boat and he's he's clearly a little bit shaken and everything and he sits there and he says i survived kayaking in australia <laughs> i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna write a book i'm gonna write a book he says i'm like good on you trev by the way it's trevor's footage all of this is trevor's drone footage he's got a, a whole bunch uh, yeah. he gave us he gave us like a whole bunch of footage but there's not much just repeating here. Anyway, so we got that done, and then we had a couple of days, and and bloody um bloody Neil's like, oh, I want to make something in your shed, so he made this ah, yeah, whistle. Yeah, the whistle. Yeah. So if you go onto YouTube on Pass Makes, you'll see the the whistle being made in my shed, and um that's uh that's a pretty good video, pretty funny video. He, he um there's yeah, a bit of a shit stirrer, but anyway, we'll get yeah. we'll get over it. Um and and then uh, we went down to um. Went down to Sean McIntyre's place where we, uh, we we put together a couple of knives. Um, yes, little uh, buddy beauties. Uh, look at them, uh, little trappers. So, uh, <clears throat> I, I mean that 
it's just so beautiful. And the Timbo, big shout out to um, to Stink, um, Mark Sinclair. Uh, Sinclair stabilized Timbo. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, fuck, I'm having a mental blank on his real name. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark Sinclair. Uh, Sinclair stabilized Timber. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece of um, of um, raspberry jam. And, and I mean, it's just oh, perfect yeah. for the job. Yeah. Uh, and there, of course, is the team. It was uh, uh, Jackson, Rumble, Neil, uh, Sean, and myself. And I know why. I know why Sean wanted bloody Neil to come down. Yeah, that you should see the footage. <laughs> I don't know who's got the footage. Probably Sean. Someone has the footage of Jackson grinding on Sean's grinders, and yeah, he's doing. I've seen it. You see it? He's got his legs <laughs> yeah. spread. He's in a massive split so that he's at the right height to grind yeah. on Sean's grinder. And then there's a picture of me on my knees using using his bandsaw. My back was killing. Everything's made for like oh, hey, it's bloody looks low down, doesn't it? <laughs> and Neil's in Neil's in my shop and he's saying, everything in your shop is too high. I'm like, nah, everything in my shop is just right. I'll get you a milk crate. Just fine, thank You'll you. Be fine. Yeah. <laughs> get you a milk crate. <laughs> so oh. So that was that was all pretty good, um, and then we, we made the whistle, made some beautiful knives, uh, and then after a car, well, yeah, just over two weeks, um, Neil Neil Duck back home, and and um, then we had the symposium in Sydney, which was uh, uh, put together by the boys in the Knife Art Association. I think the the hands on symposium it was, and it was uh, organised, I think, primarily by Pierre and Riley and and Andrew Smith, of course, and yep. uh, and that went off like a like a frog in a sock, so. Everyone seemed pretty happy. Um, got some very good feedback out of it, and um, well, I haven't heard any yeah. negative feedback from it. That's for sure. Um, no, well, I heard I heard a few little improvement things, but nothing. Oh, yeah. you would absolutely yeah, you say it's not is negative. So, and uh, Connie says the kayak seems light to handle. I'm telling you, Connie, they're like his one's a little bit lighter than mine. His one's about 16 kilograms. My yeah. one would probably be 18 kilograms. I'm telling you, like compared to a. A plastic boat, which would be twenty five kilograms. Yeah, you just—it's just chalk and cheese. There's so I've got nice a, to paddle. I've got a fifteen, nice to carry. I've got a fifteen foot, uh, fifteen foot sit on top plastic one, and the thing's twenty five fucking kilos. Oh, yeah, right. And I'm not a—I'm not light, right? I'm a—I'm—I'm I'm well solid, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But anyway, and um, yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, it was good. Anyway. So that was that was basically what I've been up to. The symposium, uh, as I say, I was I was only there for a day because it was on the Father's Day long weekend. And then um, for the last week, Neil's been at me um, when he was in my shed. He was like, "It's fucking mess. You've got to get rid of shit. Get rid of your materials rack, and you could put all the or you could you'd, you'd free up five meters of wall space." And I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, I could fucking have five meters of wall space. Imagine someone said to you in your shed, "You could have five meters of wall space." Well, that's yeah, and I, I just stood there and looked at it. I've had that materials rack in my shed for 20 years, and it's just like a no-brainer that it should be there. But when somebody else throws a different set of eyes on it, and I'm like, I don't need all this too, shit. You know? The bottom level of it's a couple of metres out from the wall too, so effectively you're looking at another you know, 10 to 15 square metres of footprint. It was, about, it, it was about at the bottom about 1 to 1.2 metres out at, yeah, at okay. the bottom. I, and, and that's a long way, so I'll pay that. Yeah. Um, anyway, look, long story short, I've spent the last couple of weekends just tinkering away, getting rid of it. 
uh, getting rid of the tons of things on it that I didn't even remember I had. Um, <laughs> and and all scavenge shit. I mean, it's all scavenge shit. It's all shit I found on the side of the road or whatever. I mean, just handy stuff. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. So uh, I've been doing that, and and my aim, um, and the other thing I've been doing a lot of is putting together tools for for making some more, some more folding knives, some more of these trappers. Um, oh, really? Now? Yeah, 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 really. And the reason I'm doing that is because I think I would like to do them for a little while. I, I'm kind of, I kind of, I've played with the barrel knives for a while, and now I'm just tooling up for something different, and maybe I can put some things that I learn from making these uh, uh, to um, to maybe do something a bit different in the barrel knives. I never finished my lever action one, which I've been working on, which is a bit sad, but basically. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's not, it's not um, gone and forgotten. It's just put away for a little while, like six months or more. Yeah. Yeah. It's just above the bench staring at me with the shame, the look of shame. Mm. But anyway, you get that. Um, so I guess that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And then next will be, yeah, next will be, Try not to get let anyone ruin my room in in Adelaide again. Um, <laughs> yes, looking forward to that. Yeah, um, I'm, like I said, I'm I'm just getting through a few, uh, you know, typical bloody knife maker. I say I'm not making orders, not taking orders anymore. I'm just making stuff, and five more orders in, I'm like fuck. Uh, but I'm actually being a lot more selective in what I take on as orders now. Um, I, you know, the body's not been playing nicely with me. Um, so my workshop time is a lot more limited than it used to be, but um, I'm enjoying what I'm doing more now, which is good. I think I'm getting better. I'm getting better quality stuff out because I'm having more fun making it. I'm just watching Pask unload that bloody fly press. <laughs> what a fucking job! <laughs> that was my 86A. I gave it to him when he was down, so he, yeah, we loaded it up and he took it home. And he's now got two fly presses in his shop, which I kind of think is excessive but i'm not one to talk because i've got two and i've got a hydraulic press as well and yeah probably just fucking not have so many but anyway no i, I actually gonna have I, more room to put more tools in well the other thing that i did when neil was down is i made on our um grinders we do a fixed speed motor and i made a tool for the fly press out of d2 that punches a 22 by 30.5 millimeter uh, rectangular hole so we can put a switch in the top covers in the aluminium and it just like we can punch it just boom 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 just punch the hole and i love making tooling for the fly press it's no secret so yeah because uh, last time i was at your place uh albeit briefly was um getting the guided tour of what had changed in your workshop and you'd set your fly press up to punch holes in the plates for uh, what was that for? The oh, for the PID control. PID that was controllers, un yeah. Yeah, punching oval holes. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm getting the hang of making that sort of, um, making the, the punch tooling. So I'm pretty pretty happy with it. I think I've got plenty of improvements still to do. Well, but brings a whole new world of um, stuff to your fly press that might otherwise sit there for, you know, most of the time idle. And as you're Mate, saying, we with that particular job, saved you guys um, literally hours per batch of, or tens of hours per batch um, on the old methods of drilling holes and extending them out with files and whatnot. Well, exactly. And and, and when we made those trappers, like we did, that was a four-day course with Sean. Uh, yep. When we made made those, I um, I was like, um, put mine together and, and no matter how much I riveted it, I couldn't get it 
close up and it, there was just blade play and it was like this is horrible but you know your baker fucks up your first batch of scones and and Sean's there. He's like, I don't think there's anything we can do. And Neil's there. And Neil goes, ah, fuck it. Put it in the fly press and give it a bump. <laughs> I, why not? I took it over. To, Sean goes, why not? We've got nothing to lose. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> Let's do it. So we went over to the fly press. We gave it a bump. And it's fucking magic, mate. It just, <laughs> it just it just collapsed the pin just uh, just that little bit much. You ah, wouldn't know. Yeah, like, right. and it's just it's just, um, just, just no play. Beautiful. So Perfect. Yeah, just give it give it a little bump in the fly press, and I just thought, oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's classic. And um, the other thing I did was put a VFD on my lathe. Uh, yeah, I saw that. For those that that machine, um, I read a lot of crap about putting VFDs on lathes, and I thought, oh, there's all this you got to do that and this and that and the other. And then I thought, fucking, I'll just do it. Like I don't, I can, I can make my own mistakes. I don't need to learn from other people's. So I got on <laughs> and. Um, and, and fitted a, the VFD to my lathe, and and I've got to tell you, it's a machining dream. It's just yeah. absolutely. It's the. I you, were done it me, years ago. you were showing me at that point, um, the the. What were you doing? You were drilling out and threading the female screws, and for the screw uh, for the Chicago screws and type things. And yes. I was just like, fucking hell, how fucking good is that? I, at five hertz which is slower than you should run a VFD on a motor because of cooling, but only for a few, it's only for a few seconds. Yeah. Um, I drove a half inch dynart, a half inch, um, uh, probably UNC or something, but of course, half inch dynart down over, a, over a piece of steel, uh, not a dynart, a split die, but anyway, whatever, drove it over a piece of steel, cut the, cut the thread, didn't even single point it at, at five Hertz. Like maybe it was, yeah, 20, 20 RPM or something. So easy. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm never going back. And then, you know, you're, you're machining something and you're getting down towards the center and you need to speed up a little bit. Just speed up. You don't have to stop. Don't have to change belts. Don't have to fuck with the gearbox. Nothing. Out, yeah. Away you go. And I learned about vector programming to get the high torque at low speeds and got that all happening. And now nah, it's good. I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, and then, so, of course, Sean, who's a machinist, saw it, and he was like, unreal, I, I need that. And then so while we were down there, I did Sean's as well. Anyway, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, I liked that. when we come up to visit you to get my Paragon, uh, the kiln, um, that my wife saw that nice little tapping drill of yours oh, and yeah. thought just from the from the look of it, it was absolutely beautiful. And we, we got the demo, of course, and I'm like, beauty, that, that gives me – Reason enough to buy another drill. <laughs> oh, but darling, you like this one. <laughs> well, I'd like to see. Um, I, I've been looking for another one of those because I just thought um, it would be good to have one for spares. Right? <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and yeah, look, I, I, I'm not there. Um, I, I've looked for, for three years and I've only ever found the one and I jumped on it. So, you know, yeah. I've never seen another one come up except my one came up for sale again. Somebody was scamming people on a gun oh, right. up for sale. Yeah. It came up in the group and said, that's Corrin's machine. Someone's trying to sell Corrin's machine. I'm like, no, well, my machine's right here. It's so. not for sale. Yeah, it's not. It. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, not for sale. <laughs> um, Connie says, uh, have we got experience with 26C3? Well, I have experience buying it. I've got a shit ton of it on the water. So, um, yeah. I've experienced... Have 
I've experienced buying it from you. I've got a couple of bars in the workshop. I haven't used it yet. Our missing guest, Mert, 100%. Yeah, um, 100%. Mert's used it a fair bit. He seems yeah. to like it. What's what's the, uh, what they call it, spicy white or something? Something like that. Effectively. Yeah. So we've got, um, yeah, we'll, we've got a, it's coming up in a future, uh, probably it'll be a future bolt buy or something like that. Um, yeah, nice. not, not too sure. Oh, speaking of bulk buys on the Gamaco Artisan Supplies bulk buy page, um, you're going to start seeing a lot of this. Um, as of October, it'll be 10 years since the first steel bulk buy started. Wow, holy 10 shit! 10 years, 10 years, Kev, no way, no since way. The first <laughs> steel bulk buy, the first oh. one I ever did. And yeah. as a bit of celebration, there's going to be something big happening. Okay, so just, well, keep me, just keep, me posted. That. keep me posted because I don't use Facebook anymore, so well, I'll miss everything. Yeah. It, it'll be big, it'll be big for, for some people. It won't it won't cover everyone, but um it's yeah. certainly big for some people. Uh the Magna Cut came in, the Magna Cut's going out to customers now. Uh for those that really like the, the best steel hype, um go for it. Uh and uh there'll be a few bit of leftover stuff that we've stripped up ready to sell. So uh, that'll go up on the website. I was talking to Alistair soon. about Magna Cut, Alistair Phillips, yeah. chatting with him, and Magna Cut came up. And, uh, yeah, he was so, sort of happy that he was only making tiny blades, but he still um, said it gets very, very hard and it's very abrasive resistant. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard it's a bit of a pain in the ass to get a good finish, but, but whatever. Anyway, I don't... Um, yeah, let's just let's just suck it and see. It's the latest type, yeah. and yeah. we have to do it, and we have to get it because everyone says it's the best. And I I reckon, and I sat there with with uh, one of the I've sat there with plenty of knife makers and said the same thing, and that is if somebody <clears throat> gives you a really good heat treated piece of um, uh, 154cm or RWL34 or or, or uh, Magna Cut. Um, 99.9999% of the population wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No. You know what I'm saying? If it was and it's funny. I, I try not to get caught up in the hype, but I do like using the, the reputable steels. Like RWL34, in my mind, is still one of the best that is out there. It's so nice to work and gets the right properties. But it was, um, I can't remember now, it was one of the really um, top American knife makers had done a San Mai, and written down, I've used a ten core of 1070 for its um, excellent edge retention. And there's like one of the leading knife makers in the world just putting a piece of 1070 in there and going, this is perfect. If you get the heat treat right. And, and you know, anyway, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I'll sell anything anyone wants. I mean, if you want to buy yeah, it, I'll, I used I'll to, find I used somewhere to, to buy it. I used but to I'm buy kind anything of... you'd sell too. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got I've got sheets of steel sitting in my workshop. I go, what's that? Is that a poster? Oh fuck, it's a piece of steel. <laughs> so well, I just um yeah, Sean McIntyre sent me a, a I think he we did forty billets of Damascus at uh, at the symposium, oh, yeah. and I helped him for a day because everybody was making a billet at Damascus, and um uh <clears throat> so yeah, I was helping him for the day, and then when he got home, he was like. I could make 40 billets of Damascus in a day. So he's gone home, 
chopped up all the sheets he's bought over the years, stacked them all up and sent me a picture. He's making 40 billets of Damascus for himself. I'm like, all right, wow. hang on. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, he's just sort of never thought about it like that before, I think. But anyway, uh, there's a question about the heat treater magna cut uh, from James Brook. James, look, honestly, mate, I haven't got into the hype yet. I have a piece to play with. I will. I'm not there yet. I wouldn't like to talk out of school, but there's definitely plenty of information out there on um, on the web. So uh, I'm going to leave yeah. it for the minute. Uh, Facebook user has given some information about it. I would, it, from the way it's written, um, uh, and I would going to guess it's coal. Um, <laughs> Sounds like coal. <laughs> That's what Facebook I user, it's coming up Facebook as coal. Is this you? Kind of looks like it, but we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that. Um, it, Connie says that uh, ADCRV ADCRV two. two getting hard, right? Um, I, 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 Connie Hanson, Connie, uh, very happy to take that either offline or discuss it now. If you want to tell us what your process is. Yes, that is coal. Yeah. <laughs> Could have picked it. Good on you, Cole. Good to see you, buddy. Um, um, and um, it'll be interesting to to, to see. And we've got Laren's Guide for Magna Cut is well written. And I'm yes. saying, yes, it is coal. We're well spotted. So, uh, Connie, yeah, tell us a bit about your process. Are you using a kiln? Are you using a forge? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, what you're doing, what you're quenching in, and, and maybe we can maybe we can spot the spot the issue. And when you say getting hard, how are you measuring the hardness, Connie? This is a this is very important because using a file or a scratch test, right? Um, is only testing the very outermost layer. So you really, so if you've got decarb happening, then yeah. um, you'll need to get deeper. Uh, ADC so using, to using a forge. does does through harden. It hardens deep. Uh, and if you've got um, – you're yeah, using a forge, so that's better than a kiln for, for ADCRV2. And, um, well, well, you could use a kiln, but you have to protect it. Um, no, you don't need a kiln for it, Connie. Uh, in fact, if you run a forge with a rich atmosphere, uh, you, you're not going to get the decarb <clears throat> that you get in a kiln. Heating steels in a kiln unprotected is probably the biggest cause of complaints that we get about our steel. Your steel doesn't get hard. And the first thing I ask, is it a forge or a kiln? Oh, it's a kiln. Do you protect your steel? No. How long are you soaking for? I soak for 20 minutes and it still doesn't get hard. It's like you're just burning the carbon out of your steel. And and 99 times out of 100, you get in there, grind a mil, like you have to grind deep when you decarb. You'll have to grind half a mil or a mil off. Uh, you'll be able to find um, you'll be able to find some hard steel under there if it's a, if it's a deep hardening steel. Uh, and Cole's got some some information there which is hardening 87 it is hardened from a spheridized state rather than perlite canola oil is not fast enough quenching to harden a blade that is not beveled 65c canola will harden beveled 80 crv2 um yeah so you can get yourself some 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 k quench i would suggest um yeah, I would suggest that. Uh, yeah, we use K quench, but you've probably got something else in Europe. I believe you're in Sweden, so uh, that's a that's that's good. And Pierre's posted up uh, on the chat for this uh, for this particular chat. Pierre's post for this particular um, podcast. If you can call it a podcast, just me and Kev having a chat, really. Uh, a link to the Knife Steel Nerd CPM Magna Cut data sheet. So thanks for that, Pierre. Go and finding that. Good on you, mate. Um. So yeah, there's um. There you go. I uh, is G quench enough for ADCRV2? 
uh, yeah, look, I with the it'll be, be along the, the it'll be along the lines of what Coles just said above, yeah, like it, it full thickness. Get, no, bevel it, keep a mill on the edge, harden it, yeah. and you'll be right. The the the, the single most effective alloying element in any steel that that's going to promote through hardening or deep hardening or, or a slow quench is is chromium and then there's others like manganese and so forth that'll do it as well but uh, and that's what the cr stands for in 80 crv2 there's not a lot in it but it does it does through harden um i have not specifically tested uh how hard it will get from a canola quench uh unbeveled so i i can't comment on that however i it will depend on how you're measuring. Um, and Cole's saying if it's beveled, right? See, the thing with Cole, you've got to, got to remember this. This is Cole Barrett from Blue Mountains Knife and Tools. The thing with Cole is Cole likes a thick knife. Cole's done a lot of playing around <laughs> with eight mil. Right? And so his comment here is yes, G quench is good, especially if it's beveled. If you've hardened a 10 millimeter thick, that's yeah. three eight for the Americans. Um, uh, if, if it's unbeveled and 80 CRVD, CRV2 use K quench. Now, I I personally wouldn't harden 10 millimeter thick unbeveled AD CRV2 because it would um it would make me cry to grind 10 millimeters of steel to a bevel when it's been hardened. But uh, and yes, Connie, it's always it, it's not always better to use a fast oil. But with your 1084 simple carbon steels and steels that don't have a lot of chromium and manganese in them, so steels other than sort of 5160 and 52100. Yes, a fast oil is is a good option. Of course, your chance of cracking goes uh, goes up pretty much exponentially if you if you've got steels that have high levels of chromium or or uh, or high levels of uh, or manganese or, or both. So yeah, that's um that that's that's how I see it. And yeah, Cole will probably chime in with something else as well, but that's all good. So, <clears throat> um. The Magna Cut, yeah, so the Magna Cut will be out soon. And what have we missed there? I think we've covered covered all that. Uh, and just a minute, Connie, how are you measuring hardness? You said it's not getting hard, right? How are you actually – how are you measuring hardness? If you've got hardness files, if you've got a uh, hardness tester, um, are you hitting it against a piece of brass or another blade or, or what method are you using to measure hardness? Because that actually that actually is very important. When you say it's not getting hard, it's it's often very good to to get it like properly checked in a hardness test. To go to a local engineering shop or a um, uh, uh, he could just comparing it when you sharpen. Connie is not is not going to give you a um and not 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 really an empirical test, right? It's it's just uh, it's subjective. Uh, so he's just comparing it to other knives that he sharpens. It's just a feeling, Connie. Let's let's get you to like like if you were in Australia, I'd say we send don't. it down to Gamaco. We will hardness yeah. test it for you for free, and we'll give you the results. And um, uh, you just need to send us some <clears throat> some tiles that are sanded to about we like four hundred grit. We'll put it in our hardness test for you for free and tell you what you hit. L label your samples, and um, we we can sometimes give you a little bit of advice on. <clears throat> On, on what's happened and we're very happy to help with those little technical things because we know it sort of improves the whole industry we don't charge for that and i'm sure there's somebody in europe somewhere in sweden that's got a hardness tester that you could hit up for a six pack of beer and 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 get it tested 
It's very um, expensive to send stuff to Australia and back to Sweden. Trust me. Yeah. We, we know. Still, <laughs> still waiting Still waiting for Corrin to get some hardness files in. Yeah, they're, they're coming. There's a freak load of them coming. Uh, late as usual. Hope everyone's well. Yeah, right. So, um, but anyway, look, uh, James, you just, James says, uh, just a second, Cole Barrett, are you 6.5 mil unbeveled and G quench? Seems hard enough. Still waiting for Corrin to get. James, just send me some samples. Like I said, uh, the ETA on them, I don't have a shipping date yet. Like everything in the world, James, I'm just, I've, I've ordered it, I've paid for them, and now I've got to wait, and it's just cash flow yeah. disaster. When, you, when you're um, waiting on shipping containers, hmm. it's it's any man's guess. Ironically, yeah, we've gone, I bought, we've some, gone I bought from, some stuff from a dude in WA. Yeah. He posted it reasonably promptly. I got my tracking number, and then I bought a couple of things over from Jance in the US and that arrived like in about four days <laughs> yeah. and the stuff it's from WA was nine or ten days in the end. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. I got an express post from WA and it took about the same and that's express yeah. post next day delivery. So it's crap. And that's the story. But anyway, look, the ETA on the files, I, I'll I'll look that up for you, James. Hit me up after the show. But if you, James, if you've got some samples, some billets, some blanks, something you want me to test, I can send it back if you include a, a, a prepaid satchel. I'll send them back. Otherwise, just, just do a couple of little tokens, just a couple of little pieces of steel, bit of offcut with your with your process, and I'll chuck them in the hardness tester for, tester for you and chuck them in the bin when I'm done, and I'll let you know what uh, what they come up with. So, yeah, that's um that's where we're at. Um, yeah, so that's hopefully a little bit little bit informative, which is a little bit different for us. So, yes. yeah, well done, Kev. Yeah. Well, that, well, mate, I didn't know. Thank you, Connie, for working from home today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, look, I think um, one of the thing that changed, things that changed my game most of all in, in my knife-making journey was to, um, to uh, get the hang of, um, of how to test, how, how, how to test, and getting a hardness tester was a, was a real eye-opener for me. I actually, I was actually pretty pleased because I found that I was hitting 62 Rockwell on my 52-100 blades that I'd been doing for years. I had ones that I'd done years ago and I, I actually was pretty pretty pleased. But um, but I, I'd been testing using files and, and other methods prior to the hardness tester and, and really nothing compares, nothing compares to being able to chuck it up and, and see exactly what the hardness is. Kev, you've got oh, one exactly. yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a eye-opener for me it's a game changer. As, as I said your, your files are good because you, you get an indication that's all you're going to get you get an indication yeah. they're harder than X being a lower denominator and they might be up to whatever Y uh, but when you get an actual um, hardness tester and then you start documenting or remembering your process and you can and you're getting consistent results that's when you know you're on the money really and then if you get a new steel and they're saying to do these things and you follow their method and then you go and you can test it and get an accurate reading. And if, if it's not getting what they're suggesting, then, you know, it, like similar to what we've been doing with Connie, just you have a basis to answer a question with 100% sort of accuracy. So the, there's a question on the screen, which I'll get to, Lee, regarding the um, regarding the, the maintenance involved in the hardness testers. And Mert's just joined the conversation. Just a second. Just uh Hang about, Mert. We'll welcome you in in just a second. Um, the, 
the the uh, the thing with files and hardness testers with both is you've got to make sure that your steel is free of decarb, and and that's just really the most critical thing. The steel can look good, but it'll test soft. Uh, now Lee says, is there any regular maintenance involved with the Gamaco hardness testers, calibration, etc.? Are they set up and forget? Um, Lee, I'm going to tell you that they are set up and forget. Uh, typically, what you get with them is a a test block, right? And that test block is will have marked on it, laser engraved, what its hardness is. Before you use it, you should cycle the hardness tester a couple of times every time before you use it. Cycle it, get everything moving, and um, and away you go. Uh, it'll it'll be it'll come back to where it's supposed to be, and away you go. Now there are. I keep your hardness tester. It's a precision measuring piece of equipment. Keep it bagged, keep it covered, keep it dust-free, keep it water-free, keep it moisture-free. If the, there's an indenter that comes with it, which is technically a consumable, but you're probably never going to use it in your lifetime. And if you like Mert and you want to put the ball <laughs> indenter in, it doesn't work, Mert, does it? And you spend half an hour, half an hour of Corrin's life... <laughs> I'm, I'm good, Corin. I'm, I'm good, Corin. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks. Good evening, man. How's things? Thanks for giving me crap. Good evening. <laughs> so welcome, welcome. What a segue. And here we welcome just, Mert to the show. <laughs> just like we have never left, just like last week we done the episode of the podcast, right? That was only a week ago. Two weeks ago, we said. Yeah, yeah last week. Last week. Yeah. <laughs> and it only took me two weeks to lose the cable. That connects my microphone. So I got two microphones that works and no cable. Hmm. <laughs> well, check your dog's poo. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 sounds like the scene from the Jurassic Park when the guy sees a mountain <laughs> and, and not going in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not going in there. No, don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as, as Corin was saying, yeah, don't change anything. And if something is wrong, you probably have done something unless moisture and even the moving the hardness tester affects the affects the what do you call it? The reading you get. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you what do you guys been up to? So yeah, with with the with the hardness testers, you say moving it affects the the reading? Yes. What's happening? What's happening? When you say move it, when you when you like during a test? No, no, I don't no. Know. When you I, when you physically move it from one part of the workshop to oh, another. Oh yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Take the there's a few things you can do to prevent that. The first is take the weights out. At the back of the hardness tester, there's a there's a bunch of weights hanging. You remove those weights. Um, and uh, if you're reasonably gentle, it won't move much. You can calibrate them pretty easily. They're not they're not difficult to calibrate, really. So I've done once. Fuck. <laughs> If Mert can, no, we don't say it. <laughs> hey, but yeah, look, on, honestly, the biggest problems that we have with them are, are usually operator error. And, you know, um, in the case of Mert's, we're joking about it, but he accidentally put in the ball indenter, which is for measuring soft materials instead of the diamond indenter. And there was a, they looked the same sort of thing. So um, it was a level of confusion we didn't really need, didn't we? But we got there in the end. No, no we did well, not you, need that at all. But... but we got there in the end. Um, yeah. I, I don't have, I have very little trouble with them. We had one in Kalgoorlie, the Kalgoorlie Boulder Association, um, uh, uh, had a smash screen on one that got damaged in transit, but we keep spare parts just for that occurrence. So, you know, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So Mert, we've got a special 
well, pseudo guest on this evening, um, listening from home today <clears> over <throat> in Sweden is Connie Hansen. And oh, Connie, okay. Connie asked a question earlier about 26C3 steel. And Corrin's bought a bunch in. I've bought a bunch off Corrin, but I've not used it. Yeah. And you, you've finalised that because you bought a bunch off him and you use it. Yes. Yep. So what was the what was the question in regards to that steel? Oh, just what's it like to use? That's a general neither question. Of us had, neither of us felt qualified. I can tell you the theory of it, but neither of us have used it. So, I can tell you how much it weighs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in terms of the 26C3, and what I like it about is, so if you're trying to get a hamon, getting a hamon that you can control 26C3, you have more control compared to W2. 26C3 has a tiny bit of chromium that makes it easier to harden compared to W2. And also carbon content is quite high. And also the, so for example, W2 can be 0.9 to 0 0.1, 0 0.3 or something. It can be anywhere between, has a wide array of what it could be. So that's why when you talk to a lot of the makers, a lot of the American makers, they say, oh, this is the old W2 from this guy. This is the dispatch. So like the, the batches are, can be like some batch might produce a great hamon. The other one might be not so much, but I mean, uh, this was like, this was uh, what they're saying. But anyway, you can still get a good hamon in W2, but 26C3, I find that I can get a more controlled hamon. That's the one of the good parts. And the second good part about 26C3 is when I use for semi, so I use, uh, I use W2 in the semi in the past, but even I did a water quench, some of my because of the thickness of the steel that i quenched in despite being in the water i had some auto hormone so some of the parts didn't complete the harden but 2663 26 c3 hardens without any problem in semi or in mono steel and the same recipe that i'm doing w2 if i do the same recipe after temper 26 c3 comes up 65 rockwell <clears throat> And even at that hardness, it's not obvious. It's hard, and it can be cheapy, but it's not it's not unusable. It's a to forge. It's it's good, but obviously having a lot more carbon compared to the other 1080, it tends to move a bit slower under the hammer. There you go. So I I I, I use them my pattern rather steels. I use it mono steel. I heck I even had a. Um, Forge welded a bolster from the same steel to make it integral. Works fine. Nice. And we've got some whack. We've got some whack job on here. Um, you fucking sending off muppets. to some YouTube muppet thing. Hey, fuck off! Whoever you are, <laughs> I'm just about to find out. Can someone tell me what group that's on? About to ban someone. Jesus Christ. See that? How many yep. times have we forgiven me? Hammer. We're not going to go there. Yep. Ban hammer no, coming no. out. Get rid of it. Get rid of that comment. What an idiot. Uh, so at the sim there we can go. Can I compliment uh, Mert on his sharpening presentation at the symposium? Is that still coal? Uh, we coal had that? two. The, we had a coal and we had a not coal Facebook user. Anyway, uh, well done, Mert. Have fun up there, did you? Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was a great event. It was great. I mean, we haven't had the chance to chit chat after the Sydney oh, show. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. While Sydney show was great, 
it was so hectic. I didn't get to talk to many people. But the best yeah. thing about the uh, symposium was it was a quite social event along with learning new skills. That was great. I get to talk yeah. to a lot of people. It was a, it was, I mean, it was a hands-on experience, obviously, and I was helping Dimitri with the setup and all that. It, it was great. I think it went very well. I, I picked over Sean McIntyre's session and all that. It was, it was great. Corin was there first day, right, Corin? Yeah, I was there for the first day, yeah. Just, I, I helped Sean all day, yeah. He's in the knife-making down under group. Thanks, Jamie. Who wants to deal with that? User admins. I'll do it. You guys keep keep talking, Mert, and I'll yeah. just go and deal with it. Thanks, Jamie. So it's funny, for, for, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, it's funny. As you said, Sydney was so hectic, we hardly got to talk to anyone. Yep. I was next I was next to you, and we didn't get to yes. talk at all. No. <laughs> Bro, it we had two like crazy. we had two selfies and it was like, oh, first day. <laughs> was like, oh, oh shit! Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, you know, like on Sundays of the sec of second day mm. of the shows, Sunday afternoon, like after one o'clock, it's just shooting the shit, bullshitting. You go <laughs> other table it's, and you and I, you and I, getting nasty looks from people because we're having too much fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't happen yeah. this time. No, it was like shit. Four o'clock. I'm like, I need timber. I need steel. Yeah, <laughs> I gave a list to Ryan. I'm like, mate, can you give me this stuff? I felt like ordering online with my dodgy handwriting. He's like, what is this? What you wrote here? <laughs> is this? Are you after 75 inch belts? Like, no, I just 72. That's my handwriting. Gives me the yeah. look and all that. Yeah, it was, it was hectic, I, which was great. I snuck away. I snuck away. I had Brad Petecoat, as you know, helping on my table. Yeah, um, yeah I snuck that was away. Good. Bought some. I bought some steel off um, Karuko. I don't even know, Sunday um, morning at some stage. Yeah. And then sure. I got back to my table and that was it again. It was like game on, didn't move. Yeah. Scoffed a sandwich at about three o'clock in the Arvo. And then, yeah, all of a sudden we're driving home and it's like, holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. But as you were saying though, Lee, excuse my interrupting because haven't caught up with you since then. Um, the symposiums are much more social in that regard, yeah. though, because you've got a, a set number of people there, instructors and helpers, and then you actually get to, you know, have a bit more of a conversation with people. But saying that, the new concept of this sort of symposium with being hands-on, there was a still a bit more like a, we need to get the session done with everybody completing their tasks. So yeah. usually with the symposium, you're talking about, you're demonstrating, you're worrying about, am I going to be able to show <laughs> how I do it, or am I able to elaborate it so people understand but with the hands-on one it's a bit more tasking on the instructors but everybody's at least achieving the same object same getting the same place so you know like everybody understood the concept of the forge welding or guard fitting or grinding and all that stuff yeah so that as you said it was a new concept for that um symposium style um, one that was directed at people that had more skills as a baseline. So we did sort of say to people, you need to be reasonably proficient yep. in the skill of making knives, and this is that next step up. Um, definitely not something that a, a you know a beginner or someone that doesn't make a potential a lot of knives uh, might get the most out of. I don't think. Um, but we've had Look, the call for a long time about. We've had the call yeah. for a long time about. Um, catering to that market too, catering to people that 
um, don't necessarily need the beginner rundown, which our normal mm -hmm. symposiums cover beginners and some advanced stuff. And this one was more intermediate to advanced. Look, there, there. I think there were some instances where even a beginner class could have been useful too. But again, maybe for future, what we can do is we can send a form saying, how many knives you make a year? How many knives you done? Are you part-time, full-time? What's Which areas you feel comfortable? Like stock, slack, slash, you can pick stock removal. You can say forge knives. You can say, this can give us a better <clears throat> idea who's coming. There were there were great there were great examples of people who show you show once and they exactly replicate what you done. But there are also people who made knives, but when it comes to more more advanced stuff, they realize okay, this is a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, especially with the grinding grinding side of the things. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a better concept. The hands-on one is a lot better concept that you teach more intricate stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it gives, like I said, it, it does give people also that um, insight into things that they might go, oh, you know, that can't be that hard to do. Um, and yeah. then, when, like I said, when they get there and realise, yeah, there's a fair bit more to it than, you know, just mm -hmm. swinging a hammer, um, it's yeah. also good. It can be encouraging to people to go back and, you know, learn a bit more and um, apply themselves a little bit differently and, you know, not think that everything's easy. Some things we see and we just go... No, nah, it can't be that much to it. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, like I said, you have a go. And like, I've still got that first integral that I did up at your place and munted oh. up something severe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't throw it out. It's a reminder. <laughs> Look at the Wait, face. That, the, the steel would have gone bad by now. <laughs> <laughs> it has gone bad. Every time I open the drawer, it tells me to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. No, it was some. Um... It was, it was pretty good and 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 seeing um you know just just doing the fluxless welding was was the one i was mm. involved in helping uh helping sean with just um controlling obviously controlling forge atmosphere and temperature is is, is critical so i just sat there and did yeah. that while he did the presentation to keep everything everything right and um uh, it's just good like i mean then the next day at, at in the office a guy's saying to me oh i'm so sick of my forge eating out with borax and i'm like <laughs> what do you need flux for, mate? <laughs> you yeah. need to go to a symposium. You just know? need the right atmosphere. <laughs> oh, my forge is destroyed, but I mean to say, I don't care. I, I don't. I, that's what I said to him as well. What does it actually matter that the bottom of your forge is covered in shit? Like, what does it does it actually matter? That's what Juracast what, is for, in, isn't it? What do you care? <laughs> yeah, just keep filling it up with Juracast every time. <laughs> but you know, Sean's Sean's process, which is isn't just luck. He's got it down to a to a system, and it works, mm. and it works Correct. better than better than flux. So, but he's very precise. Yeah, yeah, I was having he a conversation with um, with Ian Stewart leading leading into. I think it was leading into yeah um, the symposium, and we we're talking about that. And it's um, it's processes developed over a large number of years that are repeated consistently. That give you a lot of the the outcomes, but it's also having the ability that when you screw something up, that you're able to recover from it rather than, um, you know, in the old we're literally talking about guard fitting up as well. Like in the old days when I munted a guard, I'd throw it in the bin. Nowadays, when I munt a guard a little bit, I know how to fix it. I can recover from that, and that's 
part of talking to these, you know, experts in these areas like Sean and Ian and yourself, Mert and Dimitri, is how do you recover from something that you've screwed up from? And that's stuff that's easy to answer when you're physically next to someone more yeah. so than us talking here. It's like, well, how do I recover this? And you go, well, I'll wave my hands in this direction. And, you know, talking over, giving the answer over <clears> the internet <throat> is difficult. If you're right next to someone, you can show them how it's done effectively. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a private so, class in a small, in a shorter duration. I think that's yeah, what it yeah. felt like. Well, yeah. you know, like you go to somebody's, so yeah. you go to somebody else's shop like for a day. You said, like, hey, Kev, I want you to show me how to do forging. I'll come to your shop and you'll show me how to forge over and over. I think it was that, but in a shorter, like three hour mm. session instead of doing it a whole day. My yeah. take on it is the, the feedback that I got, my take on it is that, yes, everybody, the people that are doing it need to have a certain level of experience. And um, it needs to be judged by someone else. And I, I personally think that um, the, the way to do it is just using different tiers of guild membership. But, you know, people that have been assessed and they're at different tiers, it doesn't work for everyone and you'd have to make exceptions. But automatically, if you're a full member of the guild, then you automatically qualify for the advanced courses, right? Yeah, for sure. Right? So that's... And, and, and then you could have exemptions. Somebody can appeal the thing and say, oh, look, I'm not a member of the guild, but I don't want to join yeah. the guild. And I've yeah, I was just about to say, you've got, that, you got those people that don't want to be involved yeah. in those groups. That's fair enough. And you'd say, yeah. all right, we'll just show us a few photos of work that you've done. And, and the guild the, do it already. The work I mean, and you go, yeah. The guild run yeah. Knife Camp every year, and Knife Camp is a, is a hands-on demo. It's much smaller groups. It's not the mm. not the big one that was at this one, but it, it, you're much smaller groups. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Connie wants to know, do we use Flux when making Damascus? Uh, Connie, I have always used Flux when you, making Damascus, except for the billets I've done with Sean. And I just yes. don't seem to, I just don't seem to have the balls to try it at home without. <laughs> no, I, I'm kind of the same. I, um, I, I make Damascus so infrequently that each time I do, I'm like, I, I don't want to risk it. I'll just use yeah. some borax. And the next step that I'm actually going to take in my borax is actually foot in the bill and buying some of the anhydrous borax uh, rather than just some. the soapy shit that you get down yeah. at the Bunnings. hardware store. Yeah, because yeah. the anhydrous borax, as we've seen in Corrin, um, you need a teaspoonful as opposed to pouring half a tub over the bloody thing. It doesn't end up on the floor. It's so nice. But, yeah, it's but so good. All the all the guys that – not all. A lot of the guys that I'm talking to now – Jackson Rumble, Sean McIntyre, oh, yeah. even Maddie Mewburn, they're all fluxless welding. They've all gone yeah. away from uh, flux welding. And, and you know, um, you know what? I, I think I, I will too. I just, um, uh, I just, as uh, I make Damascus even more infrequently than you, Kev. Than me. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just don't have the, 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 the time I feel to, to fail. I just want to get saying that I know it's going to work. Yeah, I'm the same. And, and I'm the same. Sean, yeah. Sean's point is though, Sean's point is though, if you want something to work really well, you have to go, you have to go fluxless because the flux can introduce impurities. It can be not completely squeezed out from the joint. And he will tell you yeah. he gets less issues with out flux than he gets with flux. Although the result, you know, for layman's is probably better with flux, but you know, it's really, 
Yeah, Cord Connie's saying his forge is fucked from flux, mate. If I go down and show you mine, it's a disgrace. <laughs> so what? Move on. I literally, um, Connie, I, I keep filling mine up with refractory cement <laughs> every time a hole develops. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And I, I think says, Corn. Yeah, mate. In regards to flux, I will say, if you want to be real anal about it, if you're going to measure the temperature in your forge atmosphere, and you're going to all the great length to make sure your billet is prepared clean, yeah, go 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 fluxless. Go like take a class with Sean and all that. But if you just want to eyeball it, flux is your friend. Well, my my forge now with the PID control with oh, the yeah. PID control on the forge, I I would have no hesitation on in in, yeah. in actually I not with the shitty old forge, but I could put the new forge oh. in and and get to that. I just just been too busy really, but we'll get there. Um, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, that's where I'm at, and I've got a bunch of projects that I'm working on. Um, at the moment, we should, probably should talk about talk about projects. What are we going to be doing between now and the next fortnight podcast? <laughs> just trying to <laughs> I'm going through. My workshop is such a mess today. Um, I went out with my wife, went down to Bunnings and then to the post office, and I was like, oh, my, my son's home, we'll leave the workshop open. And then I was like, if they go into my workshop now, they if they steal anything, it's going to be rubbish because I've just got – I've been working on three or four things in a, in a go, um, doing the sheaths and stuff with the compressor out and everything else. So the workshop's a pigsty, but – I, I've got to get another couple of knives finished off for customers because that helps pay my bills. Um, and then I'm going to spend, hopefully spend the majority of October, uh, uh, not coming up very far away, um, trying to get shit done for um, Adelaide Knife Show. I've got more of what I call my chubby mofo skinners, the smaller, shorter, fatter skinners with the shorter, fatter handles um, in some Takafu steel. Um, and a bunch of full tang hunters. So I want to get. I want to try and get about five of these new, new, new design, new new design for me. Um, hunters for Adelaide because at Sydney Show I had all my hidden tang knives, and I got a lot of inquiries about uh, if you made full tang knives, I'd buy one. And it's like, well, okay, I'll start making some full tang ones. So yeah, full tang knives and orders for me. Matt. Well. After the Sydney knife show, I cleaned the shop for the first time in like six months, like deep cleaning. I had like a 70 kilos full liter rubbish full with dust and crap. <laughs> so luckily I'm, I'm okay on that dust and cleaning department. But yeah, I'm, I'm gearing up for the Adelaide show. I'm going to be there too, Ken. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I signed up the Adelaide show. So I got five integral knives on the bench right now. So I'll be working on them and what else? I'll do a couple more crucibles, wood steels, and that's what I got going on. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, nice. I'm making um, my my weekend this week will be making a uh, a jig to relieve liners for doing more um, more trappers um, to yeah to relieve the liners. I've got to finish a. Uh, um, oh, I've got another tool for the fly press. I've got to make which. Um, it's just basically cutlass dies for the fly press, which Sean had. They were great fun to use, so I'm going to give those a go. And um, uh, got a list somewhere of a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah, I've got to finish my materials rack removal and yes. then um, reorganize the shop around the new space that I've got. So I'm just hoping that um, 
hoping that the new materials rack that I built outside for the shit stuff that I want to keep and doesn't matter, it's all out the out the out the back now. Uh, I just hope that it's um it's raining and the ground's getting soft and I didn't put it on any foundation. So I'm just going to see how it goes. <laughs> it's like you. We had a nice day yesterday and now we've got a, a week worth of rain. You were talking we were, when we were talking offline earlier. Um, you could just hear the rain absolutely belting down at Corrins, and then just before I was like. Oh, yeah, it's pissing down here again, too. I can hear it in the pergola. But, yeah. I remember Thankfully when all we could far. smell was smoke. Oh, yeah. It wasn't same. long ago. wasn't long. And you look at the look at what's <laughs> happening around the world. But anyway. I think, I think Brad Stone's being smart. Um, his comment down the bottom of this thing saying oh, Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Brad. It's always fuck a Fortnite, you, Brad. Brad. Yeah, fuck you, Brad. Yeah. What do you know? You just, you just yeah. don't know about it. It's a secret. You're missing the secret ones. We have the secret yeah. podcast every we other week. And we do, yeah, yeah, we you're do just not, every now You're just then. not invited. You're just not invited. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a cool kids podcast. Yeah. yeah. Not you. Not you. You're not the cool kid. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> a new low. <laughs> yeah. If anyone could do it, we well, can. Yeah, no, so not. that's... um. That's basically where I'm at, and I've really you know, I've made a knife this year, so I feel like the pressure's off, and I might be able to sting out another one if I try hard. Oh yeah, yeah. That was when um, you did your folding knives with Sean. Did you solder the guards, or did you yes. spot weld? Yes. Um, for all those, we soldered, and and I would I, I'm really keen to try spot welding, and I've got a another little um, um, little uh, jig thing to try that i'm going to try that with i don't have a spot welder and i don't really want to fork out for one at this time but um, you get small one you get little handheld ones that do a really good job yeah you probably so do told. mate I, yeah. I i'm kind of trying to pay my mortgage off i'm trying to pay for the sheds it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> it's yes. so anyway um and and um i'm gonna have a go with that i've got a little bit of a thing planned so that's that'll be okay but uh we sold it and you can watch the video that Neil made at Sean's of the whole build. Oh, I missed I missed the so, solder part then. So if you go to yeah. if you go to Pask Makes and watch the video, you'll see a solder the guards on. I yeah, right. don't I don't um I, I I liked it, but I'm gonna make a couple of trappers with different materials. Like I've got some I found some nickel silver there, some bar stock, and I found some um yeah. uh, which will solder much nicer than the stainless steel we used. And I've got um I've got some bronze there as well. And I've got bronze silver solder. I've got silver solder made for oh. bronze. So I'm going to just, I'm going to, because I've got um, all the jewelry shit. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, uh, what's, what's the silver solder that you use? What's the mix for, 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 that, for that sort of stuff? Like, is for bronze? You, know, you got your, oh, the ones uh, that we used at Sean's is Stay Bright yeah. Silver Solder. Uh, I believe oh, it's a right. Harris product. And it's uh, the one they use for soldering guards onto knives. It's a very low temperature silver solder. And it was a new experience for me because I'm used to working with the high temp solders for silver for actual silver. Um, and when he said it was a silver solder, that's what I assumed it was. But um, it took me a little while to get the hang of soldering with it. But it's it's quite good. Um, yeah. Uh, I, it, it, it's quite a good product. I just think um, you know soldering stainless steel to stainless steel is difficult anyway. So i think um, yeah, i think that was a lot of our problem and i think spot welding is is a better solution to that problem so yeah. um yeah but but I, I do want to make a couple of nickel silver ones and some some bronze ones because i think a fucking blued blade hot blued gun blued shiny 
blue blade with bronze liners and a bronze guard and some nice fucking Gigi or something, I reckon that's going to give me um, give me some certain Hard satisfactions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're with me? <laughs> So Might that's that's kind problem of, of not getting it hard. <laughs> Steve, Steve Eads is keen for one already. Look, yeah, good on you, Steve. Oh, yeah. I also, I don't know if you guys know Steve. Steve's made a barrel knife, so total respect straight up. Um, Steve, Steve's now uh, working for Gamaco in our um, in our in our counter sales department, mm-hmm. and um, oh, I'm looking forward to working with him a lot more. He'll be coming down to Adelaide with us. Steve, uh, oh, Steve's good a, a good a good knife maker. Like I say, made a barrel knife, so you can't be too bad. So yes. you'll 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 be seeing more of Steve as as time goes on over at, at Gamaco Artists and Supplies. And you know, I thank him for joining us because um, maybe, maybe we might even end up expertise. with uh, maybe we might end up with Stevie time instead of Timmy time. Steve time, Steve time. <laughs> we need a new theme song. I asked, I said to Ryan, so you're going to be on tonight for Ryan time. And Ryan was like, no, fuck that. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think you're right, right at the end of it. Yeah. We're our, we're our worst at the moment. <laughs> um, Forge Shrew, good on good on you. Good to see you. Um yeah, so that's that's pretty much where, where I'm at. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do um I'm gonna try and do a batch of six knives, which I've been talking about oh, doing shit. for barrel knives for a long time. But trappers are heaps of, like I don't want to say they're heaps easier. They're not no, no, they're not easier, uh, they're different. They're not it's then it's it's different. It's easier. I think it's easier to batch that style of knife than it would be to batch a barrel knife. It really is, right? Because with a yeah. barrel knife, you're fitting <clears throat> you're fitting things together um, that that aren't the same. Whereas, which you're kind of doing with those as well. But I, I do think it's going to be easier to batch them for me than mm. a barrel knife, and I, you know, we'll go from there. But um, Warren, if you if you make six knives, we're going to start shitting on you because now you're technically a mass producer, mate. Go play with the CNC, you know. Yeah. S- semi-production. <laughs> what do they call it? Mid-tech. Yeah. They'll be mid-tech. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, I I did do something really cool. I I was really um really stoked about. It. I probably can't get it to 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 come up on the screen, but I I rejigged my Gibson seventy two with a two by ninety six inch belt um to run a twenty five mil a twenty mil wheel a flat plate and a six-inch wheel um, and a three-inch wheel or something. Or, like, do you know the Maximizer grinder from the States? I rejigged it to do that uh, on, a, on a Gibson 72 with a 2x96-inch belt, and I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it because Sean's got a Franken grinder, what, what does it? And when you're working on folders, now, Bruce Barnett said this to me years ago, and I kind of uh, I didn't understand. Right? I, I'm not going to say disregarded him. I helped him bring in a Maximizer, but um, I will say I totally get it now. To be able to work from wheel to wheel without stopping, without changing the belt on folders is excellent. Yeah, and I did say a 96-inch belt, James. That's how I could get it to run around everything the way <coughs> I did. Um, I actually I, – I haven't put any pictures up or done anything about that yet. I don't know that it would work. I have to confirm with you and before I sort of go doing it that it would work with the current edition of um, – <coughs> of um, Gibson's, 
but I'm sure there'd be a way to do it. You just have to make a custom arm or something. I mean, you just got to live it. When I saw Sean's one, it's made, Sean's grinder's made out of a drill press table with scrap aluminium bolted to it with holes with wheels. And then he's just threaded the belt around and he's, it, it just works. It's just fucking simple. And I'm like, I mean, if, 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 he, if he can do that, then for sure I can do something with what I've got. So, but yeah, I had to use a two by 96 inch belt to get the, the, um, the belt length that I want. I'll see if I can just find a sneaky little video on my, um, on my phone of, uh, of what I did. And yeah, in the meantime, you guys can keep talking. <laughs> so we had the South Park silence. Yeah, we're just <laughs> making faces. Making faces. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't work if it's not live. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds like you've been bitten by the dark side, mate. You know, the old, uh, old folders. Yeah. Yeah, so it kind of looks like, where's the cam? This is going to be so shit. No, that's going to be oh, shit. Yeah. Let me send it. It's a video. Can't you share even... on a screen, Corn? Yeah, it's oh, on my yeah. phone. I don't know how to fucking do that. Um, what do you do? Steve, Steve's just said down the bottom, plug the Grind Monkey stuff. Thank you, Steve. I completely forgot about that. Um, Grind Monkey t-shirts. I was going to do a batch of them a long time ago on the Knife Making Down Under podcast. Um, I've now got a spring, Teespring shirt. It is on my Instagram. It's um, Go to my profile on my Instagram. And there's a link that takes you to the store, which I think is called Check This Out. Um, and then there's the different single Grind Monkey characters on various bits of apparel. And then the Grind Monkey Essentials is the stuff with the three on there. Um, yeah, so like I said, I was going to do a group buy a long time ago. I just don't have the cash behind me at the moment because I haven't been technically working and I've stopped teaching. Um, so I've put it up for just the... Similar to what Corrin's got, I guess, on his stuff, the print-on-demand. So you order it, it's printed by Teespring and then shipped out to you. There's a um, discount code at the moment, MONKEY10, all capitals, MONKEY10. That gives you 10% off the price. Um, so, yeah, if you were wanting one of those, you've got more options because it's on print-on-demand. But if you want one, go and check that out. Also on the thread on the... Knife making down under page, and also on my Kev's Forge and Kevin Slattery custom knives pages on Facebook. I don't use Facebook very much at all. I do answer questions that come through from my pages on there, but I just I'm just not on Facebook. So if you have got any questions, message me directly, or or send me something through Instagram. That's the one I check most of all. But thank you, Steve. Uh, yes, I, I got to be honest with you, Kev. I, I feel your pain. And um, I've gone totally off, um, totally off Facebook as well. I just trying to avoid it as much as possible. Yeah, look, I so, just did it. It was a choice this year because my mental health was not going very. Potentially looking for stuff that wasn't great, you know, um, and getting hyped up on stuff. So I just, I just had to can it. And every now and then I jump online and I'll have a look at marketplace on my laptop because I don't have it on my phone at all, which is good. Um, but I miss out on some stuff, which is a bit sad. Like I, I had to remind a couple of people recently, um, I'm not ignoring you. I just, I just don't get on Facebook. So, you know, still your mate, that sort of stuff. Um, 
But yeah, I'm just um, yeah, I'm just not on there. I don't miss it that much either. Got to be honest with you. I will say I've weaned off of social media quite a bit. Like I haven't used, I, I used to post twice a day, sometimes like one a day, but like stories. Now my average is twice a week if I'm busy. Mm. Yeah, I've got a lot going on at the moment. So uh, more things on my mind than worrying about, you know, social media. I'll put it up. I'll put up the stuff that I need to put up. Like, you know, I'm happy that that sheath that I made, it went up because I was happy with that. Um, but I'm not just going to post up stuff for the sake of posting it up. And like I said, Facebook just took up too much of my time and I found it a little bit too negative. <clears throat> I started getting invested in people being negative that really didn't have any bearing on me in, in, in the big scheme of things in reality. So just had made that decision. So Go on. And they know they know they're getting they're getting a reaction from you. And then you're getting more stuff that you react to oh, yeah. come to your time feed. Ah, oh, yeah. Kev just reacted to this. How about we throw on his face again? Look, <laughs> again, yeah. like Pavlo's dog. Like, then you're like, oh, shit, there you go. And again, yeah. here's the bell. Yeah, that's it. Much better without. Okay. Right now, Corin, here we go. Look at that. So, yeah, this yeah, is an earlier model of the Gibson 72 with the under... Um, the, the they had an under slot if, if it's got an under if yours if you've got one and it's got the slot under the drive wheel so i've got 25 millimeter wheel there it runs around a uh, a wheel an idler picks up um, a flat plate which i've got to make a table for still goes around yep. the two inch wheel slack belt and then picks up the um uh picks up the I'm gonna say it's a five inch wheel so you've yeah. got you've got all of those stations that you can walk around and and work yeah, on that's which handy. I think yeah it's going to be pretty cool yeah looks so, like tank tracks you got so many wheels there yeah, yeah it's great eh? <clears throat> but it works yeah. good like, it works really well i've had a play with it yeah. you don't need to run it fast that's what sean said like you're not running a million miles now because you're always this is what you're using for profiling you're using it for um uh, mainly profiling but also you know shaping wood and doing stuff like that so mm. <laughs> You just you just don't run it fast. I think he had a fourteen hundred RPM motor on it and a and a reasonably small drive wheel and it was doing great. So anyway, there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, pretty that's happy awesome. with it. Yeah, yeah. So just a little bit, a little bit of a change or something to do. Um, and the tracks perfectly. James asked, "Is it tracking? It tracks perfectly. You just track it the same way." Uh, the the repercussions of a crash are a bit high, higher, but again, you're not running at a million miles an hour. There's a couple of wheels there that um, if you if you track it wrong, it'll smash into the steel and scratch up the grinder. But uh, fuck it, who hasn't got some scratches on their grinder? Like, I mean, you know, let's move on. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, sounds good. Happy birthday. days it is. So, um, All right. Hmm. Well, should we call it a night, fellas? Someone says they've had a Facebook video monetized on had a video monetized on facebook well there you go i've never nice. done that nah. I'm fairly <laughs> shit. yeah well you're on their blacklist i'm on their blacklist <laughs> <laughs> anyway guys connie this was just for you uh hugs and kisses yeah, from australia mate. um have fun in sweden um and get back uh, to work, and, <laughs> back to work yeah, <laughs> 
And it was good to catch up, guys. So, so thanks yes. very much. Um, yeah, there Absolutely. we go. Absolutely. Good to, good to see everyone, all the regulars back on the, um, the yeah. list. Absolutely, Some of them guys. give it a little so, bit more shit than they usually do. But, hey, it's been a while and we, we missed it. We really did. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back on board. Um, oh, yeah. Perth show, uh, Rego is open now too. Thanks, Andrew. We forgot to mention that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well done. Thank you very much, everyone. And we'll uh, leave you to your evenings. Bye. See you next week. <laughs>